0: Hello, and welcome to the One Church podcast. This message was recorded for our online service. We're not meeting at our church buildings at the moment, so tune in live this Sunday for our next online service by going to weareone.church or finding us on Facebook. Hi church, we are going back to Sunday school with four stories you thought you knew. Across this summer, across these Sundays, we're going to look at these four Sunday school stories and I guarantee even if you didn't go to Sunday school, you'll know these stories because they are legendary. Now let me jump straight in by saying this, the problem with these stories isn't what we don't know about them, but what we think we do know. What on earth am I talking about? Well, what use is a lion's den when you've just had a relationship that's broken up what use is an amazing technicolor dream coat when you just suffered loss or sadness or excitement or love or those stories have a limitation because of what we thought we knew about them and even though we're told that the bible is meant to be this manual for life and has everything we need to know in it these life experiences come and we just can't make them fit So I just want to say at the start of this message, first part of this series, please don't give up on the Bible yet. Please don't give up on the Bible yet. Just because those versions of the stories don't seem to fit anymore, it doesn't mean that there isn't truth and life in this book for us yet. In fact, Lifeway Research, which is this global research company, they, they assessed uh, 4,000 people and what they found was that Bible engagement is the number one attribute in people who were growing in their Christian maturity, growing in their discipleship, not just like people that were getting older, maturity, but people whose uh, discipleship and Christian life was flourishing, what's the number one attribute? They were able to engage with this thing well and that is our heart in this story to help you engage with it well. So in part one this week, right now, I get to talk about Jonah. So let's think about what do we know about Jonah? Well, there's going to be a big fish. We know that's coming up. Uh, A little bit of background and context to Jonah. Jonah is one of 12 prophets that we find at the end of the Old Testament era. Uh, Although um, because of the style it's written in, we don't actually know exactly when this took place or when it was written. Um, And that style of writing is quite unique to the Testament. It's one of the few uniquenesses to the book of Jonah. And the other thing that this style of writing tells us, in particular, let me tell you one of the uniquenesses, all the other prophets, the other 11, their book is about their message. The book of Jonah, however, isn't about his message, it's about him and this journey that he goes on in this stage of his life. His message is only about five words long, actually, in his book. Anyone else, Amos, Obadiah, Hosea, take your pick, their book is about their message. But this is unique because it's about the man and it's about this person. Um, that, that uniqueness and of several others actually opens up uh, the school of thought to ask the question, is this story of Jonah a historical one or is it an Old Testament parable? Now, uh, there's enough scholarly understanding to give validity to both of those, but I thought I'd just throw that in because it might help one or two people out there trying to read these stories once again. So there's the context of Jonah, and the story goes like this. Jonah is a messenger, a prophet for God, and the word of God comes to Jonah to be delivered to the city of Nineveh. Jonah doesn't want to go to Nineveh, so he jumps on a boat to Tarshish, which is in the opposite direction. Because he's disobeyed God and gone in the wrong direction, it says God sends a storm. The crew are scared. Jonah confesses, says, I think this storm is God because I've disobeyed him. So he asks them to throw him overboard. The storm dies down while he's in the water, a fish comes and swallows Jonah and he spends three days and three nights in the belly of this fish in which he repents this fish then spews him out onto a dry land onto a beach somewhere and the word of the Lord comes to Jonah again he gets a second chance Jonah go to Nineveh and this time he does and he goes to Nineveh and then we go yay because this is how the story ends Nineveh is saved God gives second chances and Jonah is the hero because he does what was asked of him all along. Isn't that wonderful? Actually, it's not exactly how the story ends. The story really ends in these four chapters of Jonah, in the fourth chapter of him sitting kind of miserably on a hill, looking out across Nineveh, asking God what on earth he's doing saving such a people. That's the full story of Nineveh, or at least that's the kind of Sunday school version, uh, the Wikipedia summary version of it, if you like. Now, we're going to get past what we think we know about Jonah. We need to learn one thing right up front, okay? Now, this is going to be a shock to us, so I want you to say it with me. Number one, it's not about the fish. Now, come on, stay with me. It's not about the fish. Now, that's hard for us, right? Because we're going to get to the end of chapter one when we're reading this story in the Bible. And we're going to see verse 17. And it says this. Now, the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. We're reading that and go, What? He got swallowed by a fish and he lived and he's inside the fish and he's having an experience. What on earth is that about? Can a fish really swallow a man? Now, we've got to know this. The first thing we've got to learn straight away about this story, that nobody that ever read this story back when it was written, nobody who ever wrote this story, it wasn't their intention. Nobody asked that question then about the fish nobody was asking what about the fish it's not about the fish and whether a fish can swallow a man whole and for him to live three days and come out the other side never is and never was the moral or the point of the story we've made it about that because it's the thing that's the most shocking to us but it's just not the point of the story the real point of the story comes right at the start of the story and we probably missed this. But if you got as shocked as the first readers of this were at the first verse, things like fishes swallowing people is just so secondary. It's way in the rear view mirror because the story actually starts like this in verse one. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh. That is the most shocking part, especially for the first listeners of this story. Nineveh was this great city in the empire of Assyria. And the Assyrian Empire was infamous because it was on a mission for world domination. And the way they went about that was to employ some of the most inhumane and awful and atrocious tactics of war you could ever imagine. Now I want to be a bit sensitive here because I've done the history on this, but the language that describes what they did probably isn't appropriate, especially if we've got little ones watching this message today. But just think about, think about some of the atrocities that have taken place in the name of war over the last century or two. Multiply um, that by 10 or 20 and you will have an idea of the reputation that Assyria has. And they've done that to the people of Israel, Jonah's people. It was shocking to say at the start of this story that God has a message and he wants Jonah to deliver it to them. So why have Nineveh in the story? Why would Nineveh be the other character in this story? If it's about Jonah, it doesn't matter who they are, but it clearly does matter because Nineveh is placed in there. Why? Well, it's to ask this question. Would you go to Nineveh? If you were Jonah, would you respond positively and go to Nineveh? Do you believe that God's covenant promise to bless all nations can include that nation is the gospel really for all people is the gospel really for that person see the story of jonah is a critique of how we always choose who's in and who's out it holds up a mirror to our own biases It warns us against judging people because of their background or upbringing or their lifestyle and choosing who's in and who's out. And it's because Jonah needs saving as much as the Ninevites do. And you and I need saving as much as Jonah. That is the big part at the beginning of this story. Now, the question we're all obviously asking now is, uh, John, how does the story of Jonah point to Jesus? Nobody was asking that? Uh, Well, this is actually going to be a really key and significant part of each of the four weeks because we're going to help see how uh, the Bible is... Has been compiled to tell one big story of which Jesus is right the way through in fact where are the interns that have uh, done the internship with us here at One Church you know the quote that I'm about to put because we give it to you right at the start and all the way through the theology lessons we do you know this quote that's coming about what the whole bible is for I'm going to tell a quick story but I'm giving you a chance you can pop that in the comments to see if you can beat me to it the other day I went up to Eliza's bedroom my, my daughter Eliza she's four and um, I could see she was reading. Um, I say reading, she can't read. She hasn't started school yet. She can recognise a few words, but when she says she's reading, she sits very nicely with a book, turns the pages at a pace of which somebody might read that book, and enjoys that. She just loves turning the pages and looking at the pictures, and to her, that's reading. And she had Her one of these. We give these Jesus storybook Bibles to every family who has a baby dedicated. Eliza was reading hers. I said, oh, I could see over her shoulder that she was reading Jonah. I said, "Uh, oh, Eliza, what what are you reading there, darling? Now, because she can't read, she said, oh, I'm just reading about Jesus. And actually made way more of a profound statement than than she knew. Because of this, here's here's this quote, okay, it's going to really help us throughout the whole series, it's going to help you every time you pick up your Bible and you open it up and you read a story and you want to place some kind of bigger picture context to it, it's this. It's from Matt Chandler, who's a Christian pastor and author, and he helps us see this. He says, the whole Bible is the preparation for... The presentation of and the participation in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The whole Bible, if, it's, if you're reading it before Jesus comes, it's preparing us for Jesus. If you're reading the gospels, it's the presentation of Jesus. And afterwards, everything else is about how we participate in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The whole Bible is that which means Jonah is about that. Let's see how. First part is this. It tells us that Jonah goes down into the belly of the fish. Now, this language that's used and in chapter two, Jonah describes it as going down into the pit. Belly, pit, darkness, grave. These are all words in the same group of words and same interpretations. uh, uh, Pit, darkness, grave. Uh, This word is Sheol, which means hell. For in literary terms, in biblical literary terms, he has gone down to the grave. He is dead. Jonah is dead. Three days later it comes out of the other side and what's meant to happen when somebody goes down to the, into the darkest place, what's meant to happen when they're able to come out the other side and God helps them, it's meant to change them, right? Wouldn't it change you? If you'd gone through hell and God met you where you were at and pulled you out the other side, if you'd gone to your darkest place, if you had hit rock bottom and what you found there was God by your side dragging you out or putting you over his shoulder, rescuing you, wouldn't that change you? We Loads of us, we love those stories. Loads of us have those stories of going to the end and then finding God and Him coming through for us, and it's meant to change us. But what we see in chapter 4 is it doesn't change Him. It doesn't change Him. See, Jonah is an anti hero. In fact, every hero of the Old Testament has an anti hero streak in them. Why? Because these messengers had flaws. And what we're told to wait for is a true messenger, a real, the real messenger, the ultimate messenger, who will be the hero of the story without the anti-hero streak. It's preparing us for a prophet of God who will be Jesus Christ and won't have an anti-hero streak. And that's how we'll know who he is. The second way that this prepares us for Jesus or points to Jesus is this. Jesus also goes into a grave. He's also in for three days and three nights. What, he also goes to darkness, to grave, to pit. He goes to the end and comes out the other side. Now, what does Jesus do after that? What does Jesus do with his message? Does Jesus take his message then, his resurrected body, along with his message? Does he take that to the Roman Empire who crucified him publicly as a warning against all those that would challenge the Empire? And does he take his message of the kingdom of God? Does he take that to the Roman Empire and say, ha, see, told you? No. Uh, does he go to the Pharisees and, and the religious people, the ones who sentenced him and, uh, and made accusations against him, that they called him a, a blasphemer? Did he, does he go to those with his resurrected body and his gospel message? No, Jesus goes through the grave and comes out the other side. And who does he take the message to first? His own people. He takes the message to his own people. Why? Do you remember? Because yes, Nineveh needs saving, but Jonah needs saving too. And unless the gospel transforms us first, it can never transform others through us. Come on, everybody. It's true of us, individually true of us as a church. Unless the gospel can transform us first, it will never transform others through us. So Nineveh needs saving but so does Jonah and it's so sad that in this story that Jonah seems to be the last one to get it and this story of Jonah helps us wait and prepare us for Jesus, the Jesus who we know now has come for us and in the words of Jonah I'll finish finish with this because the story of Jonah prepares us for Jesus but it's there to remind us Not to judge and think that we know and choose who's in and who's out, because if you're in, you need God as much as anybody else. But if you see yourself on the outside right now, if you see yourself on the fringes or you see yourself as someone that is disqualified or a bit more of an Assyrian than anyone else. Well, Jonah used these words to describe God. He says, I know that you are gracious and compassionate. You are slow to anger and abounding in love. And a God who relents from sending calamity. And I'll finish by saying this to all those who feel on the outside today. God is gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger and he's abounding in love. And he wants to tell you the message that went to Nineveh. And the message that's come ever since. He loves you. And he welcomes you. And his message is for you as it is for anybody else. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. For Jonah, the story, incredible, amazing, unbelievable story, and for all that it reveals to us. And I pray it would call out out whatever is in us that holds this bias, or call out anything that's in us where we're judgmental, or we have a distorted view of others, especially if we've decided that someone or some people group somewhere don't deserve the message of God, the gospel, as much as we do. Forgive us for that. And I pray that anybody that was listening to this message today, anybody that sees themselves on the outside would know that your love and grace and compassion comes to them today. Amen.